You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. It's a new year, so maybe you're a new listener. Uh, just to let you know, I co-host a weekly show covering UK football and basketball called Out of Bounds, Sunday nights at 1030 on Fox 56 uh, and the Fox Lexington YouTube channel. And then you can also read Kyle's work on theathletic.com. And if you listen to us, Locked on Kentucky, on a regular basis, you're going to get info on the cats that you just won't get anywhere else. I mean... Uh, if you listen to this podcast, you knew that Nate Sestina was going to be used in a way against Ohio State the way Derek Willis had been used. And you knew it before anybody else because Kyle actually found out before Calipari even talked about it. <laughs> Calipari exactly. acknowledged in- that it. Insider. Yes. <laughs> he acknowledged that you beat him to the punch. But on today's podcast, uh, we're going to get into uh, the Missouri game, just kind of review that a little bit, some of the takeaways there. Uh, Kentucky's winning – win in the SEC opener, and then jump into Georgia. Kentucky takes on Georgia 9 o'clock Tuesday night on, I believe, ESPN. Part of a doubleheader, Maryland-Ohio State's the first game of that double dip. So good basketball on Tuesday night. So we begin, Kyle, with uh, with Missouri. And I know that the article you wrote was uh, more, more focused on what happens if Ashton Hagens does – go down with an injury right there and is gone for a significant time. Uh, Fortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case, but Calipari even left it open to say maybe he doesesn't play Tuesday at Georgia. We'll see. Yeah, I kind of got the vibe, you know, and this is just trying to read the tea leaves, talking to people as we record this on Monday night, talking to people earlier today. uh, We we got um, Emmanuel Quickly and Keon Brooks and uh, Joel Justice, the assistant coach, and I kind of got the vibe that, that Ashton's going to try to give it a go. I mean, it, it's obviously the worry initially was Achilles. It looked like like every Achilles reaction you've ever seen, a guy, you know, there's no contact, there's no ankle roll, and all of a sudden he just, like, starts hopping on one foot and grabbing the back of his, his foot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think everybody thought it was Achilles. I think John Calipari thought it was Achilles. Mm-hmm. He said that. My one worry was Achilles. Um, he was trying to rush off the TV broadcast to get back in the locker room and check on him. Uh, turns out it's kind of a minor, they call it low, he called it a low ankle sprain. Mm. Um, you know, and, and even went as far as say, you know, a high ankle, high ankle sprain said, uh, you know, is two weeks, low ankle is 18 hours. <laughs> uh, and by that timeline, he'll be back. Um, but because of that, and just sort of, you know, justice was pretty noncommittal. He's, he's always, of all the assistants, he's kind of. I think the most careful to to um, go rogue, <laughs> you know. I think Kenny Payne will pretty much say what he thinks, regardless of of whether it's necessarily what Cal would say. But Joel's Barbie all, usually shuts it down injury wise. If you ask him about it, yeah, Barbie. Like, oh, you have to ask Coach. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I guess I'd say Kenny's about the only one that'll just say whatever, pretty much say whatever he's thinking. Yeah. Um, Joel Kenny and, is the Vince Marrow of the the basketball staff. Yeah, what are you what are you gonna do? What are you yeah. what are you what are you gonna do to Kenny right. even if you don't like what he says? But uh, and so so Joel was a little um, non committal, but even in that, 
you know, I, I asked him, you know, do you think he'll pra- practice today? And he's like, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the trainers say. But that, that wasn't a hard no. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just kind of in the way, um, quickly talked about him, quickly said, you know, he told me he's feeling good. We'll have to see. Um, but, you know, and, and I think everybody acknowledged, like, yeah, he's going to want to play. Uh, if, if you remember, to yeah. date, probably Hagen's best game of his career was at Georgia last year. You know, he all of a sudden – look like this offensive uh, juggernaut. You know, that's not really been his forte, but he was everything was working for him that night. Uh, and it's a big deal. He, he committed to Georgia under the previous coach, Mark Fox, would, right. would be there if they hadn't fired him. Um, and where would Kentucky be uh, if Georgia that hadn't fired happens. Mark Fox? I mean, think about that. Yeah. Think, where would they, what, what would they have done the last two years without Ashton Higgins? Uh, and, and the only reason they have him is because that happened, because Cal – does not and it's most coaches don't. There's a few who go um, sort of outside the unspoken rule, but Cal doesn't recruit guys who are committed other places, even if they're interested. They've got to decommit. You know, they've got to say, "I'm done with the school. I'm open." Uh, right. And that ha- and that happened in this case, um, but they were not going to get Ashton Hagens if Georgia kept Mark Fox. Um, and so it's it's a big deal. He's from Georgia. He had committed to Georgia. Um, he wants to play well against Georgia. And if you think about what he did against Georgia Tech, he, that obviously mattered to him too. He went mm-hmm. off, I think his uh, career high or season high was uh, this season was against Georgia Tech. Um, and so I think he'll try. Uh, I haven't gotten any good intel yet as we speak. I'm, I'm trying to, so maybe by the time this podcast is over, I'll have some insight. But, um, you know, I think Higgins will try to play, even if he sits out. What I would say is one of the reasons I focused on it, even though it didn't seem like a serious injury, is I feel like we've all kind of gotten lulled to sleep by Ashton Hagen's kind of steady play. He's the one guy on the roster who's basically been good every game. Um, right. He's had one bad game, and they lost it. It was the Evansville game. But even that underscores how important he is. Um, but every other game, he's been good to really good. Um, he hasn't had really, other than the Evansville game, he hasn't had a clunker. And... Over the last nine games, he's averaging eight or nine assists a game. He's leading, you know, known as a defensive guy, he's leading the SEC in assists. Um, I, I just think because he doesn't have any, like, crazy eye-popping numbers most nights, but he's just pretty good across the board, we've all kind of gotten lulled into maybe forgetting how important he is. And I think Taking that injury, him for granted. Yeah, I think, I think that injury reminded everyone. And so I just kind of, I went, all I wanted to ask everybody after that game was like, what does he mean to you guys? And, you know, how, how scary is that prospect of not having Ashton Hagens? And I think quickly probably put it the best. And that he basically said, it, his toughness alone, other teams fear that. And, and that is basically the heart and soul of our team. He said, yeah. he, he's everything we're about. Um, and I think that's right. And Justice today, Joel Justice today said he he starts our defense. Um, it all starts on the ball, and he sort of he is the one who establishes the defensive identity for this team. And so yeah. that's what he gives them, and that's what they would have lost if it had been serious. And I think as good as quickly is, as good as Maxi is, and I think you know if, if if they have to, they'll be pretty good stepping in in this individual game. And you know I think a Maxi versus. Anthony Edwards' matchup could bring out the best in him, and that could be fun. But if they lost Ashton Hagens for the season, forget about a Final Four, I think. <laughs> yeah. And I think Calipari had a good 
uh, statement on it as well. He said, uh, you think some of these other players are good? Wait till you see what they look like without Ashton Hagens. Th- then how good are they? Because he makes a difference. Yeah, he's he's the leader without a doubt. And before we go to break here, just a reminder of what he did against Georgia last season. 9 of 18. I mean, he took 18 shots. I don't know if he's taken 18 shots since then. I'm four or five sure at the yeah, four or five at the free throw line, 23 points, four assists, four steals, just one turnover, five rebounds. Yeah, he that was his coming out party. I know he had, you know, was a terror on defense against Louisville previously, uh, a couple games before that, but this was his coming out party. So uh, when we come back, we'll preview this Georgia game a little bit more uh, and get into that when Locked on Kentucky continues. At Buffalo Trace Distillery, the world's more, most award-winning distillery, see 200 years of bourbon-making history in action. Smell the mash cooking. Touch the charred oak barrels aging in century-old warehouses. Hear the tales of bourbon legends Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee. And taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating distillery. Experience a tour for every taste. Buffalo Trace Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week year-round like the popular Trace Tour or see Bourbon Pompeii and walk through history on the E.H. Taylor Tour. Visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. Mention that you heard about Buffalo Trace Distillery on the Locked on Kentucky podcast and get 10% off merchandise at the gift shop. Are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. We're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and um, we, we didn't mention anything about what uh, Nick Richards and Emmanuel Quickly did. Uh, those were obviously pretty important to see Emmanuel Quickly against Missouri continue to find his shot from beyond the arc and provide pretty much Kentucky's only threat from beyond the arc besides what Nate Sestina did against Ohio State. Uh, and then Nick Richards to back up that performance against Louisville, I think really screams his legitimacy as as a big man that can be counted on uh, uh, from here on out. It's not to say that he won't slip back and have some some tough tough games down the road, uh, but it also provided a learning lesson for him as to not let somebody get under your skin and cause you to foul out when you had zero fouls at halftime. So yeah, those amazing. are my main takeaways. Yeah, <laughs> that's hard to do, uh, yeah. but. I kind of like every everybody's got a little different opinion on this, but I like that Richards kind of went, you know, went at his guy. I mean, it was you know they were they were in a comfortable lead pretty much the entire second half, yeah. and I think he just decided he wasn't going to take any crap from anybody, right? And you know, uh, silly a little bit, and 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 you got to keep that in check. But I think after doing what he did in the first half, to come back in the second and just say you're not going to start pushing and shoving me because I'll push right. and shove you back. I think it is. I think it's, it's, that's a good thing for Nick Richards. Well, that's um, my wife. That's what she made. That's the comment she made when it happened. She was like, good for Nick. Don't take no crap. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, and, yeah, and no and, more Mr. Nice guy. And that was the thing. I thought it was a great line from, I think Tony Barbie before that game. He said, um, uh, you know, I like to say that you can, you know, he said, Nick is like one of the sweetest kids. He's the guy you want to babysit your kids. Uh, right. but I tell these guys, you can, you, you can have an alter ego on game day and it can be anything you want. It just can't be a nice guy. And Nick finally decided <laughs> in the Louisville game, no more Mr. Nice guy. Yeah. Um, and that carried over. I mean, they're dead in the water, uh, as well as they ended up playing. They're dead in the water. If without Nick Richards in that game, nobody else had anything going. He scored the no. n- first nine points of the game. He scored 13 of the first 16, 14, 
the first uh, 16. Or 14 of the first 16. Yeah. Had, had 17 and 7, I think, at halftime. Finishes with 21, 12, and 4 uh, blocks. It was his uh, sixth double-double of the season. He had one in his first. So they've played 13 games. He's got six double-doubles. He had one double-double in his first 74 career games. Yeah. Um, Nick is for real. Uh, and yeah. he's still shooting, you know, basically 80% from the field. Um, Emmanuel quickly, quickly and Richards both back-to-back games um, that you could argue best games of their career at Kentucky. Um, yeah. You know, quickly goes for a career-high 18 against Louisville, then backs it up with a new career-high 23 um, against uh, against Missouri. Uh, nine of nine at the free-throw line. He was eight of eight at the free-throw line against uh, Louisville. He's now made 24 consecutive free-throws. He's shooting 95.9%, uh, which, again, would by a pretty wide margin now um, beat Tyler Hero's school record that he set last year for um, free-throw percentage. So... Um, some really good stuff happened, and I, I, I wrote, uh, I've got a piece, as by the time people listen to this, it'll be out Tuesday morning at The Athletic. We, we're doing kind of a, a series of stories around several major programs, kind of a mid-season checkup, yeah. um, where they are and what, what, is, what we, can we expect, or kind of pitching it forward, looking forward um, to the rest of the season. Um, and for Kentucky, you know, to, to me, one of the interesting things is, how many guys have played well at some point? Um, you've got, you know, just going by season highs and points. Tyrese Maxey's had a 27-point and 26-point game. Ashton Hagens has had a 26 and a 21-point game. E.J. Montgomery's had a 25-point game. Emmanuel Quickly's had a 23-point game. Nick Richards has had three 21 and 10-plus uh, rebound mm. games. Yeah. Uh, Nate Sestina's had 17. Keon Brooks has had 15. That's seven guys who've had at least 15 points in a game so far this season. All those guys, except for Nate Sestina, former five-star slash McDonald's All-American. So there's a, lot to, there's a lot to look at and go, you can work with this. Some guys yeah. are starting to, to get it together. You know, Calipari keeps saying, you know, we're a good three-point shooting team, even though they're, they're 29% for the season. And you can look at this and say, maybe they are better. Uh, you know, then we're giving them credit for because individually some guys have had moments. Nate Sestina's hit five of eight against Ohio State. Tyrese Maxey hit four out of five threes against Louisville. Quickly had four out of eight against Missouri. Ashton Hagens is eight of his last 17. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of ingredients that are sort of percolating now for them. And 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 what what is left is um, three guys. And I thought... Calipari put it succinctly about what is, what takes Kentucky from an intriguing team that could lose to anybody or beat anybody to a legitimate contender, and it is this, I think, 11-word quote. He says, look, Khalil and Keon and EJ have got to play better. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's, that's the whole deal. Um, you've got three guys, a 6'6", a 6'7", and a 6'10", McDonald's All-American, uh, all of them McDonald's All-Americans, who um, at least one of them has got to give you, has got to become the consistent contributor. That's the next step for Kentucky. One of Whitney and Brooks and Montgomery have got to become a consistent contributor. And then right. they're, and then you can say, you know, they can make a run in this kind of down year for college basketball. If two of those three start becoming consistent contributors, they're absolutely a Final Four level team. 
And if right. some if somehow by the end of you know by mid March, if Cal can get all three of them playing at a at a decent level, then you know they can win it all. Um, in in this kind of year, that could happen. But but none of that happens if all three of those guys stay as inc- inconsistent as they've been. Uh, you know, Brooks looked like he had a breakout stretch. He had a three game stretch recently yeah. where he was averaging eleven and four. Um, which is that's like a perfect contribution yeah. from him. I mean, even like eight and four. If you got eight points and four rebounds and a block and a steal out of out of out of Keon Brooks in twenty minutes a game off the bench, uh, it's perfect. Right. You know, EJ Montgomery has a two game stretch where he scores forty one points and has seventeen rebounds, and since then, in the last three games, he has a total of eleven points yeah. in the last three games. Um, and then, you know, Khalil to me is the furthest away. I, I think, I think Keon's the closest to breaking through. EJ's got the highest ceiling and Khalil's sort of the, the total wild card because he's the best athlete, but, to, but so far looks like he is the furthest away, uh, from putting it all together. And Cal said, like, he, he's just got to say, I'm going to play defense and rebound. Um, and we've been talking about that, but until that gets through to him, um, yeah, I, I don't know, but, but those, those guys are the key that, that trio and, and Keon Brooks said it today, like until we start playing better. And he mentioned those three guys himself and the other two, then he said, our team has a cap. And, and I think that's, yeah. that's absolutely right. Well, Georgia has been playing better. Um, and they had a breakthrough moment against Memphis over the weekend. And we'll talk more about those dogs that the cats face on Tuesday when locked on Kentucky continues. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Right, welcome back here to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Well, big win for Georgia. Uh, actually, it's only the second time, I believe, Georgia has won uh, on the road against uh, a ranked team. Yeah, like, okay, so the, the victory over Memphis was Georgia's second road win over a ranked team in the non-conference in 2,714 all-time games. What? The, that they have played over 115 seasons. Wait, say that. You, I think we need to say that slower because if if I heard that correctly, that is an absurd stat. The Memphis victory was only Georgia's second road win over a ranked non-conference foe in the 2,714 <laughs> oh all-time games the Bulldogs have played over 115 seasons. Georgia is now two and twenty when playing in a ranked team's home venue. Yeah. It was their first That's, one. I, I mean, I'm just like, I'm in stunned silence. I, that, is, that is a remarkable stat. Well, they hadn't beaten the top 10 team, period, since beating Kentucky, which was ranked 10th in 2011. Hadn't had a road win over a top 10 opponent, which would be their other one. Um, well, wait, no, that was non-conference. So they haven't had a road win over a top 10 opponent since beating number five Kentucky in Rupp Arena in 2004. But... Some things that have happened. One, uh, Rayshon Hammonds played really well. Their junior big man, six foot nine, two thirty-five, compared to Nick Richards, six eleven, two forty-seven. Uh, but Rayshon Hammonds went against uh, Memphis and had fifteen and twelve. He's averaging fourteen and nine now a game. Uh, Anthony Edwards did not play well. He was four. I mean, scoring wise, uh, but he contributed in other ways like steals and assists and rebounds. Uh, but and free throws, but he was four of seventeen shooting. Uh, but still, the freshman from Georgia, from Atlanta, 
which is going to be Hagen's from Georgia uh, against Edwards from Georgia. That should be fun. But uh, Edwards is averaging 18 points a game. And remember what Tyrese Maxey did, did against Michigan State, 26 points. Edwards had 37 against them. And, oh, by the way, Michigan State has worked its way back up into the top 10, uh, ranked number eight after that went over Michigan, is out to a 4-0 start in uh, Big Ten play. Uh, so Edwards, Rayshon Hammonds, Severe Wheeler is a good freshman off the bench that's averaging uh, – Five assists per game. Severe Wheeler sounds like a monster truck uh, <laughs> <laughs> name. Like it would be, it would be some like very gothic looking uh, monster truck. Severe Wheeler. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. Yeah, head of our very cartoon characters for the kids. <laughs> Come on out to the Georgia State Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, the, uh, severe the other guy, another one of their starters that they had kind of the uh, grad transfer, this Donnell Gresham that they had gotten, uh, they were counting on him to knock down threes, which he had done at his uh, previous uh, home, which was like, uh, where did he play? Somewhere northeastern. So anyway, uh, he had only hit three in his first 11 games, but these last two games, he's warmed up and hit six of 11 from beyond the arc. And that's kind of similar to how, you know, quickly he's warmed up over the last couple of games. So Georgia, to me, is starting to put it together a little bit. They've got a really good uh, collection of talent. They had previously been, uh, last season, 0-6 in games decided by four points or less. And this year, they're now 4-0. and in those same games decided by four points or less. So they're learning a little bit under Crean how to, how to finish, as Calipari likes to put it with his team. Uh, and they've, what, they've won four in a row now. Yeah. Uh, and Kentucky's SMU, coming to town. SMU in two overtimes. Yeah. Uh, played, played Michigan State really, really, really close in Maui, 93-85. Um, it's an interesting game. I think it's a really tough game. Without Hagens, it would be a – a massive, not massive, but it would be an upset to, to win at Georgia without Ashton Hagen. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, the thing about Anthony Edwards is, um, you know, you can you can sort of take him out of things. He's not he's shooting like forty, barely forty percent for the season. Uh, he takes a lot of shots. I mean, you mentioned Ashton Hagen's last year. I wanted to circle back to that. He he took eighteen shots in that UGA game, made half of them. Um, he did not have more than 11 field goal attempts in another game that whole season, and he doesn't have more than 14 in a game this year. So it's four more shots than he's taken in any game ever uh, at <laughs> yeah. Kentucky, um, yeah. and that's a you know that that was a, a a lot for him. But here, Anthony Edwards has attempted 17, 20, 17, 17, 26, 15, yeah. 23. Um, he's going to jack a bunch of shots and, and he, you know, on games he makes 50% or better, he's going to light you on fire. But, uh, in the games that he doesn't, he sort of keeps the other team in it a little bit. And so, um, you know, I, I sort of, in a way, uh, as much as I'd like to see Edwards versus Ashton Hagens, I kind of want to see Tyrese Maxey versus Anthony Edwards where Maxey is the point guard and and it's all on his shoulders and it and it you know triggers the big game uh, reflex that he seems to have mm-hmm. you know he's yeah. talked about that and we've seen it like the two best teams they played or two of the three best teams they played he's gone bananas when he knew the whole country was watching in the opener 
against Michigan State. He scores 26 when he knew everybody was watching and everybody in the arena needed it. Uh, against Louisville, he goes for 27. If the ball's in his hands as the point guard with no Ashton Hagens on the road against a guy that he knows is he's going to be compared against when he's going into the NBA draft, uh, Anthony Edwards on some people's boards, I think now up to the number one spot. Um, yeah. That's going if if that doesn't trigger big game your big game reflex, then nothing will. And I think those two going at it could be a ton of fun because you know, as we know, uh, Tyrese Maxey also not uh, trigger shy even when he's missing. <laughs> so those guys right. can just let it fly. And if if they start falling for both guys, I, I would watch a I would watch a shootout between those two uh, any night of the week. It would be fun. Um, another thing for Kentucky, this is their first road game. I mean, they've been to Las yep. Vegas, but that crowd was uh, uh, in favor of Kentucky, especially for that Ohio State game. Uh, they've been to Madison Square Garden. They won that game. That was that a big Kentucky contingent there as well. So this is the first time they'll be on an opponent's home floor. Uh, Georgia's like opening it up earlier than usual like normally it's 90 minutes before tip off that they let people in now they're letting everybody come in at seven o'clock and telling them to come and eat and uh enjoy dinner there at the stegman coliseum it's an espn game so yeah there's the potential there for the georgia fans to get juiced up and tom crean's a good seller of tickets as well uh and it, it, it is a hostile environment and loud and uh we'll see how some of these guys react it, it shouldn't rattle obviously ashton and um, yeah, don't know if it'll rattle Nick or not. This, this is the first time Nick's been this guy, uh, in this situation where he's dependent upon in a hostile environment, the way he will be against Georgia. So that's a, a bit of an unknown as well. Yeah. And you know, the other, the other thing to consider is under John Calipari in first true road games, uh, yeah. of the season, um, looking to update this stat. They are three and seven. Yeah, three and seven in uh, first true real games. Uh, no, I'm sorry. They're uh, they're actually four and six now. They they were two and six through eight years, but they've actually won their last couple. Uh, last year they won at Louisville in their first true road game, but then turned right around their first SEC road game and lost to an Alabama team that was oh was, yeah they were much better then. Um, right. and, and so, um. It's it's tough. I mean, when when you have young teams every year like Calipari does, it's really hard to to get them to understand what it's going to be like. Especially when you play all these neutral games and so many home games before Christmas, and you you know you start to feel a certain way about yourself, or you start to feel like you have an understanding of what these games and environments will be like as freshmen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, as freshmen, you don't realize, like, oh, well, this is neutral. There's probably some other people's fans there. Like, no, <laughs> your guys are always outnumbering them. You're not hearing the sort of hatred and, and thunderous noise from the opposing crowd. It's not even close until you go on the road. Uh, and that's a, I think that's always a little bit of a shock to the system for Kentucky guys. You know, you get, you've gotten all the way to January, played a dozen-plus games, and you've not yet experienced that, and all of a sudden it hits you in the face. And when you're... Especially, especially if it's at a place like what, what they're going to see tomorrow night. There's renewed hope. There's a new coach. There's a new star. Yeah. Um, they've just come off this massive win at on the road, so they're coming back home the victors, you know, and with this belief that they can go beat anybody now. Even though, let's be real about Memphis. What happened with Memphis? There was no James Wiseman, and there was no um, 
uh, oh, crap, the kid that was committed to Kentucky didn't play in that game. Uh, I believe. Scotty Lewis. Uh, no, Scotty Lewis is at Florida. Um, um, uh, DJ, uh, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember his freaking name anymore. Uh, but anyway, they were without from, Mi- he's from Mississippi, right? DJ, um, yeah. Uh, DJ Jeffries. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I, I apologize to everyone for uh, blanking on that, but I believe DJ Jeffries also sat out that, that game. So, I mean, two of their top players, DJ Jeffries averaging 12 and five a game as a freshman. Um, James Wiseman, obviously maybe the best player in the country. Hadn't been playing since a couple weeks into the season with all his drama and will not play. Um, so that wasn't the, anywhere close to the best version of Memphis. Um, but that's a big win to go on the road and beat Memphis nonetheless. And so, and it was 10 believe, ties and 20 lead changes as well. So they went toe to toe with them. Like, yeah, they, there was some fortitude, fortitude yeah. shown there. And so, uh, so especially when your first road game is, is that, uh, in a place that'll be a Thunderdome and, and two, even when Georgia's not been all that good, Georgia has been a tough place for Kentucky, uh, to play, um, 2015, the the uh, 38-1 team, uh, mm-hmm. they went to Georgia, and that was a uh, slobber knocker. Um, you know, it was it was tense at the very – I think the final margin, is, I'm looking now, was 72-64. But it was right. the second-to-last uh, game of the regular season, and they were, as I recall, it was like down to the absolute wire. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, that's as good a team as Kentucky's going to have, you know, coming in there. And so – um, I would just say, buckle up for this one, especially with no with no Ashton Hagens. It, it will be a tall order. Yeah, still we'll see. Maybe tomorrow, uh, before game time, we find out if uh, Ashton is playing or not. But just something to pay attention to as we uh, it, wrap this up here. Uh, just a little nugget, a little meaningless statistic. But Georgia is nine and zero when scoring first, and one and three. When the opponent scores first, also seven and zero when winning the opening tip. So huh. right off the bat, you'll know how how you're feeling about it. What made you what, what what brought you to that uh, statistic? Did you go searching for that? How did you? Oh no no no! I just I just scanned. Was the that game just notes. in their game notes? I never. Yeah. I, I'm terrible about. Uh, I make Eric Lindsay so mad. I'll ask him a question. He'd be like, "Do you even read our game notes?" Right. Uh, well, I should I should do that more often. Well, I was, I'll tell you why, because I used to do the same thing. I would scan them. And Mark Story, veteran reporter at, uh, veteran writer and columnist at the Lexington Herald Leader, he had a great question, I thought, one day in a football press conference. Uh, and I went, Mark, how did you know that? That was, you know, where did you get that info? He's like, it's right there in the game notes, Dan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I can, <laughs> and after I can, that, I'm and, like, and I'll can, at least scan them. You and know, I can cause... even hear that in the tone that Mark Story would say that to you, disapproving <laughs> of your laziness. By the way, <laughs> before we go, 536 to go in 2015. Undefeated, I believe at that point, 30-0 or 29-0 Kentucky at Georgia. Down by six with 536 Whoa. to go. Whoa. Uh, tie game with 354 to go. Two point game, uh, two point game with under three minutes to go, uh, and it was. It, it, I mean, it was. Uh, it was a nail biter for yeah. Kentucky. I, I I knew it was close. I had forgotten it was that close. So, um, Georgia's tough, man. It's a tough place to play, and that was as good a team as Kentucky's had. And and this team is not that right now. And so they'll. It'll be a test. Now, one more little thing from the game notes that I found very interesting. 
The crew is going to be Carl Ravage, you know, the, their baseball guy on play-by-play. I think he does a fine job on basketball. Jay Billis, so you'll hear him rail against the officials in the NCAA. And, <laughs> uh, and then the sideline reporter, it's Marty Smith, y'all. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So that's a, they, got, they got some heavy hitters for that game. Yeah, I've not he- heard uh, Marty Smith do a sideline report of a basketball game. So That's that's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why that's even happening, but because uh, I assume he's. Uh, they got to find something for him to do. There, that show that they do is so uh, football heavy. Marty and McGee. I don't. They probably don't have it on a weekly basis anymore. Um, yeah. And I don't so know. they've got to. They're not doing SEC Nation anymore because of football. So I guess they're just throwing him over to basketball and giving him something to do. Got to. Well, got to make you work, bud. Good for but, good for uh, him. I like Marty. Marty's Marty seems like a like good people. Yeah, it seems like fun. he's always fun. I think he's fun. Um, uh, except for, I will say this: when he first started, that accent and that hair, when he's being serious and doing a serious story, I'm like Marty. This 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 can't be you because I, I mean I can't <laughs> I can't not the hair and the accent together. It, I with just his, can't take you seriously. Spi- his spiked up hair. It, you're, right. you're falling into the trap. It, you, you haven't seen the discussion on Twitter uh, lately about not being ashamed of your southern accent, even if you're on television or in the media. You're shame. Your your accent shaming people. Damn, oh my just, god! It's, it's not okay. Okay. Oh, we could do another thirty minutes <laughs> on that. <laughs> no, I, but I do like. I, and, I, and Marty was tweeting about it today. He said, you know, that he's had people say to him like, I. It, it's nice to hear somebody that sounds like me uh, on TV, and I get that. I get that. I mean, yeah. the traditional wisdom, the conventional wisdom on television, is to sort of go midwestern and have kind of no accent. Right. But uh, you know, I think I, it does make some people stand out. It certainly makes Marty Smith stand out, uh, and his his partner that he does shows with um, Ryan. I forgot his name now, but McGee, uh, McGee, yeah, Marty and yeah. McGee, yeah. They they both are uh, twangy as all get out. <laughs> they are, but I sound like I me after up. a few bourbons. I start, I start, <laughs> uh, I start twanging and slanging. Well, I lost mine. I'm from southeastern Kentucky, and it was bad, and it was slow, and I don't know that I would have been taken seriously anywhere. It makes it harder for you to get a job. I can tell you that. So yeah. I lost it to the point that you hear it now. But if I go north, it's what I think is no accent is still there. People still give you a, give you a hard time about it. Yeah, they pick up on it for sure. Yeah. How but, how is uh, the national? I was like, wait, is wait as we were talking about this and talking about him, I'm like, wait, am I miss, missing the national championship game? How is the national championship game still a week away? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, they give him a two week break. Yeah. I, that's like awful. Super Bowl. Two yeah, weeks off. Awful. I'm not a fan. Anyway. I wish we, they played on Saturday. I wish it was Saturday instead of Monday night. So we're all up at midnight and twelve thirty trying to digest all that. But anyway, we we now we've just gone. You'll never guess, guys. We've gone blown way over out. time. <laughs> blown it out. Yep, man. Once again, but that's good. We hadn't done one since uh, we did one New Year's Eve, and then uh, I explained everything and what had happened. Uh, yes, on yesterday's podcast. So you all know the story there. If you don't, go back and listen to the twelve minutes that I did yesterday, and you'll know why. So. It's uh, apropos that we go a little long on the first one in a few days. So back tomorrow to, uh, to go over what happens against Georgia and those Bulldogs. So uh, join us again on the Locked on Kentucky podcast. Follow us uh, you know, on Twitter, you know, comments, tweet at us. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R, and Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right, thanks for listening, guys. 
are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.